God's amazing love people. Are you good? And even if you're like terrible, God still loves you. Right? There is no losing in this. You know that, right? Uh, I, one of the guys that I listen to all the time says, he gets up and I actually saw him in person and he does it and it's like, I thought that shouldn't work, but it does. He looks, he looks you kind of like right in the eye and he goes, have you, I told you lately that I love you. And I'm like, oh, that's so cheesy, but man, it works. Because <laughs> you are loved, that's why. Hey, we're going to take some time this morning and talk about something that is been marinating for us as pastors for uh, a significant amount of time and um, really feel like this is a little bit of, of what God has for us in the future. That there is something that God has been stirring in our hearts for you and specifically for the men of the church. Now, I'm going to be talking, I'm going to have like a lady section time when I talk and a men's section. And you're actually allowed to listen to the other parts because you can glean or talk among yourselves sort of whatever you want, right? But there's some things you can glean there. We really felt like God wants to stir some things in the men of our church and that there is something that that is we're going to step up to in the, in this next season. And so excited to give this to you. Just you know, like right off the top I got to say this. I got way more here than I am going to put into my clock says 33 minutes. So buckle up. <laughs> Here we go. There are uh, some shallow things that we can talk about. I'm gonna talk to you ladies first about men. And some of you have never really heard your man's voice. Uh, you've heard uh, like grunting and groaning and criticism and correction, but you've never heard anything deeper than that. There, there's some deep things I wanna share with you and whether it's the man that you sleep with, your husband, Right? Or the man at the office that you may get to know, or whatever kind of men stuff are in your life, there are some things that are true of them, or at least true in seasons with them, that are, it's going to be helpful for you. And uh, there's, there's some lighter level stuff that you kind of all may know about. You know, some of the things that are generally true about men are also true about women. It's okay, it sort of works that way. I'm actually more of a feeler than my wife is, you know, but there's some things that are shallow and deeper like the shallow stuff would be I'll give you an example um, my, my wife is more private I'm not so much and so every time she works back here in Kids Rock which is an open office where there's four people who could potentially here every time I call her and I say hey where are we going you know what are we gonna do for lunch or something like that she says hi you're on speakerphone <laughs> and every time every time she does that I think I should say something wildly inappropriate, <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> right? And so it's like, hey, hun, you want to go make out in the baptistry? <laughs> no, that's my, I've been married 33 years. I'm smarter than that. That's my inside voice that I most of the time don't share. Like there's those surfacey things that we do, but there's some deeper things that are true of most men, and they, that means they're gonna have probably seasons and times of this, that as ladies, I, I think it's important that you know this. And, and that's this, and I, I got a, about a list of about six of them, I'm gonna run through really, really quickly. Um, most men have really good intentions. And before you go down the road to hell part, um, that means that they start from a good place. 
and that you can begin where you are and get to someplace better. Most men want more out of life. There's a bunch of you in this church who have actually come from somewhere else, from another country, because you want more. You know why that is? Because God put that seed in you. Every one of you, this is true of women too, but every one of you guys has something inside of you that says, I want more. And God put it there. Now, you can choose whichever path you want in that. You can lay down and have a nap, right? And that can be your more. Or you can grab a hold of something. But there is a latent part inside of you that says, I want more. Now, as you navigate through life with good intentions and I want more, there's some things that um, come our way. And the first thing I've noticed is this, is that most men, most men feel alone. Most men have a sense of they don't actually have somebody to share uh, beyond their wife, which is, is good, or somebody like that, is they don't have a group of guys around them, which you have guys been created to be in relationship with other guys to help sharpen you and connect with you. And almost no men have a place where they can talk about what's really important to them. Almost none. That's hard. And you feel isolated, and you need a place to do that. Uh, most men uh, feel weary. They feel a little bit tired. It's a bit connected to the last thing. Uh, there's a lot going on. You feel like you're not enough. And so what happens is, on the not-so-positive side, you look for lesser things that make you feel good. And it's, like I said, true for all of us. But true, ladies, true for the guys, is they're gonna to tend to look for lesser things that make them feel good in the moment. And there's a big pull there to have because they're tired, they're weary. They're wondering whether they're actually enough because there's a lot of expectations put on them in society. They're also is a low level, and this is, this is being really honest, there's also a low level disappointment with God. Because maybe they see people up here or maybe they see other situations and they go, huh, I wonder why that doesn't work for me. It looks so, so nice and put together and, and you know, we try not to do that here at Church of the Rock, but inevitably it sort of happens that people feel disappointed and they have a sense of, you know, maybe that sometimes, and I hope this hasn't been the case here, that, that religion is, is sort of feminized. And, and I remember uh, being at a, a conference one time where the speaker gets up super well-intended and says, and said, you know what, everybody in their spiritual life, if you're not doing this thing, you're failing. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, that's what I need, more failure, good. Uh, and they said, you know what it is, you know what the key to your spiritual life is? Journaling. And I went, oh. first of all, I have trouble feeling my feelings, and then I'm supposed to write my feelings down, and I'm supposed to share my feelings, like, shoot me now. <laughs> right? And sometimes, inadvertently, we feminized that stuff. And, and if you like journaling, that's great. But uh, yeah, a lot of guys don't like journaling. And so there is a sense of saying, huh, I wonder if... Maybe I'm disappointed with God, but maybe more than anything else, I'm disappointed with myself 
because I feel like it doesn't work for me. Or maybe it can never work for me. Low grade. All those things are, are probably true in some measure. The last thing is probably the most important thing, though. Inside every man, ladies, every man who is a follower of Jesus is something that's so important for you to know is there is a desire for him to rise up to something that is significant. And he wants a challenge to go after. You know why that is? Because he has the Holy Spirit in him. Right? And here's the thing, ladies, I, and this is so, so, so important. Even if you can't trust the man, you can trust the Holy Spirit in the man. And you can maybe learn to trust the man. Because that Holy Spirit is alive and working and doing those things to make it happen in him, even when he isn't sure he wants it. There's a great verse in the Bible where it says, you know, that, that God helps me even when I'm helpless. I feel helpless a lot of times. And God says, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, people say, you got this. I'm thinking, no, you don't. God's got this. Way, way, way better. So here's my point of advice, ladies, for you. And it comes out of um, 33 years of being a pastor and sitting across from people and couples, and I understand they're talking about stuff that's hard. And, and I would like to some, many times have an out-of-body experience where I could go behind the guy looking at the woman and going, no, stop, don't say it that way, please, please. And here's what it is. A full-on frontal character assassination is rarely helpful. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> you weren't sure what to do with that. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> At least as a long-term strategy, it's terrible. I'm not saying that you're not supposed to be iron sharpening iron for each other, but you know what the thing that my wife does that is most helpful to me almost all the time, and it isn't that she doesn't sharpen me or correct me or challenge me. This morning she said, hey, it'd be really good if you hung up your coat. <laughs> Again. <laughs> you, know what, you know what my wife does that's the best thing that she does for me? Is she believes in me. She believes in me even when I don't believe in myself. She believes in me when I'm doing well and when I'm not doing well. She believes in me and she tells me in a whole bunch of different ways and she shows that she believes in me. And then I want to be a better man. Ladies, I understand it's not the whole picture, but it's a big part of the picture because all those things that I said are probably true about most of the men in your life at least in seasons, and you have an opportunity to partner with the Holy Spirit and the man in your life. Are we good? Are we still friends? <laughs> All right. We're going to jump into something in just a minute in Scripture, but I wanted to take a, a, just a little step back and look at, at something that I think is really important. That in our society today... Um, there is mass confusion about masculinity, about what it means to be a man. There, I mean, there's 21 different genders now, so oh my word, right? And uh, so that means, and, and there's been this thing which is very legitimate, uh, 
in society which is said that there's such a thing as toxic masculinity, and that's probably true. There have been some of those things, right? And, and just so you're confusing, I don't think there's 21 genders, okay? Male and female. But now, now here, now because I said that and corrected that, here's what you want to do. If somebody else believes that and they're not of the faith, you know what? That's okay for them to believe that and for you not to go slap them with the Bible, right? How we treat people who think differently than us is so important. I'm telling you because you're, you're followers of Jesus and that's what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. Whew. Now I gotta figure out where it was. <laughs> the, the society has um, massively confused about what, what it means to be masculine, what it means to be a man. And there, there's, because there's that toxic masculinity, which yes, not great, right? That overpower, but that's such a small part of us, and it's a massive overreaction. So as we think about our life, and as you think about it, you're not gonna get this from society. You're not. You're gonna get a lot of confused people and a lot of reactionary stuff. And I, I've seen this in what I thought was kind of interesting. Some of you might know who Jordan Peterson is. And, and there's this guy who, not a Christian, quotes the Old Testament sometimes and talks about this stuff. And he wrote this book called 12 Rules of Life. And it's uh, got massive response from young men in their 20s because it gave them a little bit of structure. And, and here's, here's the thesis of this book, right? And this is what, three million copies that he'd sold, like hundreds of millions of people following him, all sorts of crazy stuff. And, it, and here's, here's the thesis of the book, you ready? Don't lie and be responsible. I should have known that, and I could have got three million copies, right? This, and, and it's because we are so confused in our society about what it means that there is just, the people are starving, young men especially are starving to say, okay, what is it that I'm supposed to be? What is it that I need to look for? And, and some of his chapters are super hilarious. I wish he wasn't looking like he was gonna pop a vein and blow it all the time, but he says, this is his advice. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not the useless person you are today. <laughs> a little bit of guy speak there, right? Just <laughs> make it happen. Now, so we're not going to get that sense of what it means to be masculine you know, from the world around us. But what we are going to get in the church is this. There are people who you can be influenced by in your home church that have lived out the scriptures that have studied them, that have walked with them over years. And in fact, God created you as men to be together. I, I had one of the great privileges is to grow up in a church where there was a bunch of guys and I talked to them later as adults and they had no idea that they did this. They weren't mentors officially or anything like that. They were just men who were being good men. And they took me in and they believed in me. I, I remember <laughs> I was like a solid C plus guy. It's not that I didn't have the ability to be an A guy, but I thought, eh, why put in the effort? I know I'm smarter than you, right? <laughs> not, nothing personal. And, and my, the teacher who was from my school, who was my youth leader also, looked at me and went, nah, I don't think so. And uh, they divided up classes, <laughs> they don't do this anymore, where you had the fast class and the slow class, and uh, you know, and he put me in the advanced class. And I thought, dang you. 
And then I had to work, and then I actually got the marks that I could have and should have and would have been doing. Huh. I did, it took me like years to think, oh yeah, you know what that is? He actually believed in me. You know, my, my dad was incredibly encouraging, great man, but he suffered with depression. And so he kind of wasn't around most of my, my life growing up. And I had a bunch of guys in the church who did little things for me. And every message that they sent to me is, hey, Aubrey, I believe in you. Guys, every one of us can do that for each other. There are people in your circle that it's so uncomplicated. I was this, after this uh, first service, there's a, a couple that's probably in their 70s. Said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I saw you had somebody there. And I said, yeah, you know, there's this, this family that came and, and they're with them. And says, we've sort of adopted them in. And, and there's like a, a big generational thing happening there. And I was like, perfect. This is exactly what I'm talking about. God has something for the men of this church for you to rise up to. And you are fully equipped to do it. And I hope by the time we finish today, uh, whether you're on the, the lower age spectrum of that or then you're on a higher age spectrum, that you will be um, encouraged to do this. See, here's society is confused in one way. Here's the other way that's unhelpful. This, this is a quote from a movie. In order to be a man, you must be as swift as a coursing river, with all the force of a great typhoon, with all the strength of a raging fire, and mysterious as the dark side of the moon. <laughs> oh, Mulan. Whatever, as if that's ever going to happen, right? Written by some single woman, no doubt. <laughs> oh, am I in trouble now? <laughs> now I think I am in trouble. All right, moving on. Let's get to the Bible here. Uh, there are three things that the Bible says that is a godly man. And Paul is talking about his guys that he connects with. And Paul's in his 60s and these guys are like 20, probably 25 years younger. And he talks about these guys. And uh, here's, here's what I want you to get is there is something in that intergenerational connection that is so important between the men, in the men of our, in men of church. There is something that you can only get from older men if you're younger. And your job if you're younger is to open up and receive it. Because it might take a little bit of translation to do that. And, and in Paul and Timothy and Paul and Epaphroditus, there is a model for us that, has not, that is um, God's answer to, what's a godly man? Won't get it in society. And it comes out of a passage in, in uh, Philippians 2 that you probably wouldn't have thought. It's more like ministry trip logistics. But I want you to look closer. I hope, the Lord Je Paul says, in the Lord Jesus, to send Timothy to you so that I may be cheered when I receive news from you. I have no one else like him. Say no one. Okay, don't look at the screen. I have no one else like him. Here's this great man. What do you think that the rest of the verse is going to say? I have no one else like him. He is a make it happen guy, right? He's somebody that I can just sort of plow through everything. He is this incredible force. He's as mysterious as the dark side of the moon. <laughs> Melts your heart, kind of. Okay, put the verse up. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Oh. 
I have no one else who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everybody looks out for their own interests. I like that Paul isn't need to be politically correct. He says, yeah, everybody's selfish. Everybody's self-centered. Everybody just does what's good for themselves. But then there's this guy, there's this young guy, Timothy. Hey, this is what a godly man is. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. And, and then he begins to talk about the depth of relationship because as a son with his father, he's saying, hey, this is kind of what's happened between young Tim and I. We, he has served me with the work of the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him to you as soon as I may so things can go. And I'm confident that I'm going to come soon. Hey, you know what? I, Timothy is the guy that I'm so confident I'm sending him to you. So that's his first relationship. That's a connection. Second one is this. But I also think it's necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. This is his second uh, person that he had working with him. Again, he's in his 60s. Epaphroditus probably 25 years younger. And this is how he says. He says, he was your messenger, but he was my brother my co-worker, and my fellow soldier. And that's really important because those describe ways as men that you can connect with other guys. So it's just meaningful. So there's something significant to it. And then he goes on and tells Epaphroditus' story. For he longs for all of you, and <laughs> this, this part totally cracks me up, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Okay, we'll just stop right there. Ladies, when your husband or your friend or somebody like that who's a male is sick, is his biggest concern that somebody else is going to be concerned? No, he's a whiny baby. <laughs> Present company included. Right? When I first got married, I think I've told some of you this story. When I first got married, I had a cold and I was laying on the couch. Oh, right? And my wife was just like, like she just, she's from central Alberta, a little more practical, right? She just looks at me and goes, you got a runny nose. <laughs> and I went, oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I got to grow up. <laughs> Hate that. <laughs> Most men, uh, you know, when they're sick, they're like, you know, whatever. And, and uh, Paul says about Epaphroditus, a little more serious here. He says, okay, you know what? Epaphroditus was so concerned because he heard that you were concerned about him and he was concerned about you. He says, okay, guys, if you want to know what a real man is, it's somebody who's actually concerned about other people, who cares about them and doesn't care about himself. Paul says, there's nobody like this. Everybody just cares about themselves. And he goes on to describe the kind of person Epaphroditus is. He says, indeed, when he was ill and almost died, God had mercy on him, but only him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. In other words, Paul is talking about the depth of relationship that happened between him and Epaphroditus because he said, I can't imagine what it would be like if he would have died. He says, therefore, I am more eager to send him to you again so you will be glad and I will have less. What's that last word? Huh. This is Paul, the guy who said, don't be anxious. Let me explain that just for a minute. Paul understands something about relationship. And if you are a parent with a child, you're probably going to get this more intuitively. There is something about how we carry our kids. The, the way that we are concerned for them. 
that, I mean, you can carry it in a bad way, but there, there's a weight that you carry, that you ha- always have your kids in your heart, right? And when they struggle, part of you struggles. Now, you always have to be careful not to be as miserable as your most miserable child. Amen? <laughs> but the good way of this is Paul says, you know what? I'm actually anxious. And it's better for me if you get connected up again. See, there's a whole level of selflessness going on here in this passage that, that Paul is, is sort of painting a picture for us as guys and saying, you know what, there, there's that world's, you know, the bad version of it and there's this. And then, hey, here's another picture of what it means to be a real man. There's a depth of relationship, there's a connection, there's a care. There's a moving into somebody else's life. There's a courage that is all about this. He says, because he almost died for the work of Christ, and he risked his life to make up for that help. You see, uh, Timothy, in the world's view, if you looked at him, could have been uh, insecure and sickly, because Paul was the one that wrote to Timothy, come on, Timothy, you don't have a spirit of fear, right? You got a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, Tim, I know you're feeling like you're young and everything. Timothy, insecure, kind of sickly. Um, maybe some of you guys have done this. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to go see the doctor because then he might tell me something's wrong. <laughs> you ever done that? Yes. This is what Timothy's doing. Paul goes, oh, for Pete's sake, would you take a little wine for your stomach's sake? Take some medicine and quit pretending you're not sick. Like, just look after it. And yet Paul says, this is a man that there's nobody like him. And so I think we want to take a deeper look at this and say, what does it really mean to be a man? What does it really mean to be a godly man? And I got three things for you in not enough time. First thing is this, is a real man cares. Uh, everybody's wrapped up in their own world. And uh, could be that men are a little more self-centered. Eh, maybe. Women tend to be a little more nurturing. And uh, the challenge that Paul puts us to, out to us is this, is you know what, I need to think and I need to move and I need, I need other good people around me to help me to become less self-centered because by nature it's who I really am. And we can misinterpret things, I, I found, came across this, I thought this was really good. Killing with kindness is taking a much longer than I expected. <laughs> Classic misinterpretation, right? <laughs> Not what we're going for, boys. Uh, there is a sense of being considerate to the people around us that um, is what God really wants to begin to develop in who we are as men. And that whole sense of really making it happen. I, I, I was uh, listening to a, a, a journalist who was interviewing uh, a hundred year old man. And you know, they're doing this sort of puff piece and saying, you know, what, what's your secret to living older? He says, well, he says, I don't argue with idiots. And the guy said, really, that's your secret? And he goes, he just winks and smiles and says, sure. <laughs> um, you know, there's like, we're, we're lots of feelings, people who have very uh, feelings that can be hurt. And, and so we can just sort of go off in that other ditch as guys and just say, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna speak my mind and I'm gonna say what I need to say and let the chips fall where they may. You know what that's called? Immaturity. As men, you can do better than that. You need to care. Paul says there is no one like Timothy because he really truly cares. 
And it doesn't mean you don't correct, and it doesn't mean you don't do those things. But that's, that's the cheap, easy way out. God, what is it that that person really needs? I'm going to really care about them. That's what a godly man is. Second thing is this. Not only does uh, a godly man care, but a godly man is courageous. And, and most of the time, um, when we think of courage, we think of like big deeds and going after stuff. And, and I think that's kind of right. I think there's something that, I, I, you know, probably the physiology of this, when, when young men are developing, the, the frontal cortex of their brain doesn't completely develop, so that whole risk thing doesn't kick in until they're like about 70, <laughs> right? And so they have that sense of courage and make it happen and do stuff. And, and, I, and there's like smaller things that we can get distracted by. And I, and I had one of those things happen this, this last summer. Uh, we live right by the Seine River. So I just dump my, canoe, my kayak in. I'm kayaking with my son. And we come up to Bishop Grandin. And there's this big pile of logs and spring jammed up on there. And my son, who's a, a canoeer and has done a bunch of this stuff, he has his mom in the front, he just sort of lodges the canoe up, he dances up the canoe, get, gets his mom off the canoe, comes back down as he's standing up, beaches the canoe onto these logs that are sort of tipping like this, climbs over, takes his canoe and goes out. And I'm sitting in my kayak going, huh, okay, <laughs> do I follow the women or do I? <laughs> And so yeah, I'm going to try this, right? So I sort of get out of my kayak, which is, you know, not as easy as it used to be, right? And so I'm going to beach it up on this thing and kind of get out. And these logs are sort of rolling and doing this stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, this is the stupidest thing I've done in a long time. <laughs> and so as, this, as these logs are going and I, I kind of get on top of this thing and I step on one and it sort of falls off. And I thought, I got an idea. I'm just going to, going to jump into the kayak as it's kind of going down. I do this and I realize, no, there's no jumping. That, just, that would be a very bad idea. And somehow I sort of rolled into the kayak and it went down and the water splashed me but I made it through. And I'm going, yeah. <laughs> yes, so I told my wife what I did. So I tells my wife what I did, right? And she was very proud of me. Isn't that what rolling eyes, isn't that what it means? <laughs> there is something in the, heart, in the heart of every man to say, I want to be courageous. Here's the thing, 99.999% of the time, you will not run into a burning building to save some kid, because that's what we think what courage is all about. You may get to do something like that in your life, but most of the time, courage is doing the thing that you're not sure you can do or that you're scared to do. Courage is, at work I can tell people what to do and they do it because I'm the boss, but then I get home and my teenage son or daughter doesn't do what I expect them to do and I'm frustrated and I don't know what to do and I could just go take a nap or yell at my wife. Courage means stepping into that situation. Most of the courage that you are gonna exert as a man into your life is stepping into those situations where you have no idea what to do and it's not native to you. And it's hard. And you'd far rather go find something to make yourself feel good. That's what courage is. And God's put a courage inside of every one of your hearts to do something significant 
with your life. And it actually doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, it's inside of you. There's a guy who you probably don't know. Uh, his name is Jimmy Warren, and Jimmy Warren built churches. He built 150 churches in his life because he had a heart for the gospel to go to people because he believed that God changes everything through Jesus. After he built 149 different churches, he got lung cancer and his lungs started filling up and he looked at his son and he said, I think I got one more church in me. And his son went, whoa, okay. <laughs> and he has this framed picture of his dad in, on the roof of a church in Siberia, building this last church. He said, I got one more church in me. I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Now, you, you probably have no idea who Jimmy Warren is, but his son, I think last time they said they baptized 50,000 people. They sent, you know the, the verse that says, bring the gospel to every nation? They had sent missionaries to every nation and probably the most influential guy in, in North America. His son's name was Rick Warren. And you go, you know, oh, that's interesting. Where, I wonder where Rick came from. Rick came from Jimmy, guys. And Jimmy worked with his hands, and he wasn't the guy who was doing that thing. But he says, I think I got one more in me. Here's what I want to encourage you in. The best thing that you can be as men is usable. You can be at that place where you say, hey, God, I, I want to be used. However it is, whatever your choice is, if you are usable, God will use you in a way that is going to be significant in your life. I love the last part of his story when he tells us, he said the last week of his life, his dad, who's a golfer and a fisherman and all these things, kind of went into this place where he was dreaming about his life out loud for the last week of his life. And in the last week of his life, he didn't dream about fishing he didn't dream about golfing. He, he kind of hearkened back to every one of those churches that he had built and how he was serving and able to help and do things that actually mattered. That's what you have been given here. Courage to do what matters. Last thing is this. You can step into be caring, you can step into courage, and the last thing that you can step into is that there is a sense of cooperation that, needs, that, that Paul models for us here. And, and he says of Epaphroditus, he says that you are the man who is my brother. I have a relationship with you. That means even if I disagree with you, I, I'm, we're, we're bonded together. You're my fellow worker. We got fellowship, we got fellows in a ship who are going the same direction. And we have the same goal and we have, we need to have that connection with each other so I can learn how to be a good dad from guys who have been a good dad before me and I can learn how to be a better husband from guys who have been through the husbanding thing. And, and there's a, a, a fellowship, he says, but you're also my fellow soldier that I have, you need some men around you who have, you actually fight the battle with together. And, and I started off at the beginning saying that most guys are lonely. Most guys don't have somebody to talk to. And most guys have never fought shoulder to shoulder with somebody in going through the battles of life. And guys, that's what you need. Ladies, I think if you want to pray for one thing, that'd be a good thing to pray for. There's a, a man who has been a part of this church for a long time. I, I, knew the, I knew the polished diamond version of him. I didn't know the rough part. 
and the rough part in his life was, was kind of surprising to me. He actually helps us with uh, people who are struggling with issues, and he's got the most gracious spirit, and he has helped so many guys in this church become, get over the things, their habits, and the things that have been grinding them down. And he, he told me a, a bigger part of his story, and a bigger part of his story is that he lost his job for a medical reason, and he was a goer and a mover, and when he wasn't working, it didn't go well. And that's true for most of us, guys. If we're not, if we're not working, it, life is not great. And so what he did was he ended up through a series of, it just felt like the enemy just sort of tricking him. He ended up trying something that he didn't realize was cocaine and got hooked on cocaine. And, and, and he, was, he was just like you. He wasn't somebody like down on the street. And he said to me this way, he said, you know what, I'm a professional talker. And I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this thing on the side here, but I'm very good. And I can talk my wife and my family and all this stuff and everything like that. And I'm going to talk my way through this. Hey, do you think that worked? No. And the enemy got a hold of him. And the drugs got a hold of him and dragged him down. And, and there's a, a focal point that I have permission to tell you about where he, he, his wife talked to him and said, you will never touch me again. And, and just then one of his friends knocked on the door and said, hey, dude, I, you're in trouble. And I would love to say that that was the story and he just sort of rose up again, but that was the beginning of the bottoming out. And everything went south on him in his life. And he ended up in UGM, Union Gospel Mission, and he got kicked out of there because he used, and I, and I didn't know this, I was talking to the guy after the first service, he said, I'm the guy that kicked him out and wouldn't let him back in because I looked him in the eye, and I love this, I looked him in the eye and I said, you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. And he said, then, <laughs> this, is, this is amazing, he says, then I went back to my bed and I cried because my heart broke for that guy. Real men care. That doesn't mean you don't make big, tough decisions. And he kind of bottomed out, and he had good guys around him to help him and slowly, slowly build him back up again. And he said, you know what, you will never know the feeling that I had when I felt my wife's arms around me again. They had a great marriage. He's an amazing father. He helps tons of people out in this church who are struggling with stuff. Because real men care. Real men are courageous. And real men know how to cooperate. You know whose real men are? They're you. And God's going to take us on a journey together to a whole next level. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? All right, bow your heads and close your eyes. I got a couple of things to do. If so you don't have some place to go, if you could just hang out. Like we do every service, I want to take a moment and have you respond back to this. If you're here or online, everybody eyes closed, heads bowed, and have never made that decision to give God leadership of your life, and you want to give him that, and you need that, you don't want to know about him, you want to know him. Would you just raise your hand up or online, just press that button. Anybody here today that would do that? Okay, thank you. Anybody else? Okay, good. 
All right, online, this is for you too. And uh, what I want to do is I'm going to take a moment to pray. Uh, but before I do, I ha had a sense in the, in, uh, earlier that there's somebody who's going to be watching this in, in the on-demand later on, and, and you're feeling like um, you're like that guy that I described who's been confronted but has kind of gone down, and you're not at the bottom yet, and you're thinking you can make it, and God sees you, and he is the one that if you cry out to him is going to come after you, and there is hope for you, Okay. If you raise your hand today or any other day and you need to kind of make this decision online, let's all pray this together, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, today I give Jesus leadership of my life. Thank you for dying for me, for taking my place, for being my God, my Savior, and my friend. I thank you that you love me you care for me, and you give me what I need to be everything for you. In Jesus' name. All right. Here's what I want to do, uh, folks. I, kind of over the, this is, this is a longer term thing. Over the next while, um, what we're going to do is, is going to be having different things that we really hopefully can be helpful and challenging uh, to the men of the church. One of the things is, you know, a lot of guys have said they don't necessarily know how to uh, work with tools and do that. We're going to set up projects where people can come and you can get uh, connected up with people who know how to do this. Uh, lots of different things like that. Here's, here's the first thing that we're going to do. Outside uh, over here, there is a men's mentoring thing that we're setting up. If you want to be a mentor, mentor is just influencer, somebody who can give their experience. Or if you want to be mentored, you can talk to Jamie. He's out there. Make that happen. Uh, and do that. And looking forward to the journey that we are going to have together. God bless you.